Hi everyone, it's Helen Joy Butler here, Home Energy Alchemist, Sanctuary Creator and Elemental Space Clearer and welcome to this episode of Musings on Sanctuary and Spirituality. I'm really excited to bring you another Sanctuary Roundtable today with the gorgeous Darina Kors and Sherry Trentini. Hi ladies. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I know that I asked you really briefly to introduce yourself the last two episodes. So for anyone who hasn't met you yet or hasn't connected with you yet through this platform or others, let's just briefly share who you are. So Drina, would you like to go first today? Sure. My name is um, Drina. I'm a, also known as the Space Doula and I am a um, certified practitioner of feng shui and space clearing and really the magic comes in in finding the patterns in our homes that um, show up in our lives or show up in our lives that show up in our homes depends which way you want to look at it but there's a mirror between the two perfect thank you and is very good at kind of being the investigator at going and finding all those patterns I love it thanks Dorina I did used to want to be a private investigator and that never happened so I kind of <laughs> kind of decided to do it anyhow <laughs> I love it it's like you wrote your own job description exactly exactly thank you Sherry a little bit about you I'm Sherry and I do life coaching and grief recovery coaching so I'm helping people to create space in their life in whatever way that uh, they would be best supported in order to move into the life that uh, they are dreaming about and are aligned with Beautiful. Thank you. I feel like I need to say that the three of us in totally different countries. I'm in Australia, Sherry's in Canada, and Trina's in the US. So we've kind of got like this little triangle going on between the three of us. So we, as I said already, this is our third episode where we're talking about different aspects of sanctuary. So the episode before this one, we were talking about sanctuary in your body. And the episode before that in our roundtable, we were talking about sanctuary in your home. So if you haven't listened to those two episodes, I invite you to go and do that. The links are in the show notes to make that easy for you. But when we were talking about this concept of sanctuary in your home, we were talking about it's all too hard. And then when we were talking about sanctuary in your body, we were talking about it's not that bad. So in the body episode, I backtracked to something I'd shared in the home episode that had happened between those conversations that had really made a difference in my life and impacted my home and my body. So today, before we actually dive into why we're not creating sanctuary in our life, I want to open it up to Darina and Sherry to see if they've had anything interesting that happened in their home or their body since we last had conversation so Sherry I might hand it over to you see what you've got to share well I've been thinking about this a lot because it's been a bit of top of mind for me and when uh, you had sort of summed it up about when it comes to the body that it's not that bad um, we talked a, a lot about clothes and how our clothes influence how we feel and how it can amplify you know the our good energy and, and such but I was thinking that one thing that we don't change as often would be our our hair. It's a little bit more, it takes a little bit longer in between potential changes. 
And right now I'm trying to convince myself that it's not that bad. <laughs> I can push through and I can continue to try to grow it so I can have, you know, right now I, I not in, I'm still not close to even a stubby ponytail, but I get that into my head about how I should grow my hair. And then I stand with the kitchen shears at the mirror going, this will do it. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I really want to do that. And my hairdresser lives inside my house. So I'm kind of not supposed to do that. But so it's that discomfort, that discomfort of this right now, how my hairstyle, because of course, we are still masked here. So I like to think I want my hair to look nice when I go out and I want my eyes to be done with some makeup just to freshen things up because we are masked. But when I look at my hair and myself in the mirror, it doesn't feel like me. So I would like to ask the two of you, is this one of those things that I just have to accept the discomfort until I get to the other side? Or do I honor my knowing in that the haircut that I always defer to is the one for me? Maybe I should just own it and never, you know, try to grow my hair. Sounds superficial. I know it sounds superficial, but this is something that we have to live and work with every day. It certainly is. Sorry, Drina, you go. No, I was going to say own it. Like completely own what you know and feels best. I, it's so funny that you, I had the memory of taking a picture of my best friend to my hairdresser. And this was not that long ago, maybe like six or seven years ago, because my entire life, she was like cute and sassy and had the curls and like, I've always, always wanted her hair. And so I took the picture and I went to my, and she can wear like you, she can do like the cutest short haircut. And so I took it to my hairdresser and I said, I want this. And she's like, no, she's like, that's good for her. Not good for you. But I think we constantly, like we, we look outside and say, oh, I want that instead of what works for you. You know what that reminds me of is when my kids were little and my daughter wasn't my hairdresser, like actual hairdresser, like little, I used to box color my hair. And so we would go to the store and they'd be with me, of course. And I would, you know, pick the color du jour or the, the one that I wanted to go with. And I would always do it at night be, while they, you know, after they went to bed so I could, you know, be the mess without having to uh, tend, tend to them. And in the morning, I can't remember which one of my daughters, they would look at me and they would look at the box, the girl in the box and then look at me and they just didn't get it because they thought that I would enti look entirely like her, right? Like not just the hair color, but the girl on the box. <laughs> and oh no, no, this is just my, you know, this is just me. But they, maybe they wanted me to look like the girl in the box, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can talk a little bit to this, Sherry, because I've had a pixie cut for years and I always do the super short to grow it, the super short to grow it. And I, I got yeah. stuck in that loop for years and years and years and years. 
And then I think for about four or five years, I solidly owned the pixie cut. Now, it definitely happened when I was going through my psychic awakening and I walked into the hairdresser and I just said, shut it all off. I think lots of people do that when they're going through some kind of life transition. Um, but thankfully, my hairdresser said, yes, your face would suit a, a pixie cut, not like um, Darina's hairdresser, who was beautiful and honest. So let's face it, that was a good thing. But after five years of the going back every six weeks and knowing that there were little tweaks and changes to it over those five years, but essentially for five years, I looked the same because you know, I could change a bit of colour or maybe it was a bit shorter here or a bit funkier there, but ultimately it kind of looked the same no matter how I did it. And during the stage towards the end of that five years, I started to get a little bit of inner sparkle coming out. That's what I call those little silver grey things that decide to pop out. That's what they inner sparkle. And the really great thing was it happened in my where my part was. So I had this really cool triangle bit going on in the pixie cut and it looked really fun. People asked me if I dyed it in, which I didn't, it was just there. But then I decided, okay, it's time for me to grow my hair. I've been in this loop for quite some time. And so, you know, let's make it happen. And at the same time, I decided I'm going to claim my inner sparkle. And I think that for me was the best decision because I haven't gone from dying, you know, longer hair to now growing out the inner sparkle. But I'm at the stage, I haven't had a haircut now for probably about six months. And interesting, we're having this conversation because I've got my hair appointment next week. And I have kinks and calics and, you know, all sorts of strange things go on in my hair, but it's the same. It's fine and there's a lot of it. So I'm crossing my fingers that she doesn't cut way too much off because I think I still actually really like it. And the reason I like it is because I can play with it. I can pull bits up, I can stick bits out, I can wear it down, I can plait it, I can add a funky clip in or whatever. And I really like that. It's helped me step into, and I think this is the other aspect of the body part of it, it's helped me step into owning the style that I have from the inside so it can shine from the outside. And that means my clothes or, you know, glasses or hairstyle or whatever. So I know that for me, it's been a really great transition. That's not to say I won't go in in six months time and say, chop it all off. I'm currently going through this phase because I know my hairdresser has said to me before, you can use things like beetroot juice and put it over your sparkles and make it go a little bit purpley. <laughs> so I'm thinking of doing, I've tried that before and it didn't work. So I'm going to ask her next week how to actually make it work. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think we just need to play and shift and change depending on where we're at in our mm -hmm. lives, actually. Yeah, I know. It feels like a bit of a, an, at any given moment, like right now I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And then, you know, could be an hour from now, probably next, tomorrow morning, I'll be like, oh, where's the, <laughs> so I just thought that that was in addition to you know, it's, it's our outside or external projection to the world, but if we're uncomfortable, you know, how do we, how do we find our resolve to just hang in there and just see, or is it just let it go? 
So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I think that's a beautiful segue, Sherry, into what our conversation is today, which is how do we create sanctuary in our lives? And now, I, now I've already shared about the home and the body and the main issue that we have in those areas. But when it comes to creating sanctuary in our lives, the biggest issue that landed for me when all that amazingness came through was what will other people think? I know that there is a lot to that. And I know that we've only got an hour to kind of have this conversation around it. But I was going to start, if it's okay with you ladies, with perhaps the biggest decision or decisions we've had to make. Maybe it was a hard decision you had to make. Maybe it was an easy decision you had to make. But one where you felt other people are going to weigh in on that. Other people are going to share their opinion with me on that. Other people are going to tell me what they think about that. And they're not going to hold back in a lot of instances. So are you okay if I go first and share my story? So I think, no, I know the hardest decision I ever had to make was when I decided to step out of the spiritual closet I'd been in there my whole life and being in that space was really not doing me any favors I didn't feel whole I didn't feel on purpose with whatever it is I'm here to do I didn't feel in flow I didn't feel connected with who I knew I really was. And most of that was because of other people and their response to me in the past when I'd perhaps mentioned a few little things around spirituality or sensing energies or, you know, having that inner knowing or those clear abilities that kind of just give you that awareness in that instance and you kind of just know stuff that you possibly or shouldn't really know. I don't mean to blame those people fully because obviously there was an onus on Helen to stand up, to step out, to own her own truth. And obviously that's been my journey over the last number of years to get to this point. But I know, for example, when I said to someone really, really close to me, this took two years for these words to come out of my mouth a long time said to someone really close to me I think I'm psychic I knew I didn't need to put the word think in there but I did it to kind of soften the um the fall if you like and that person said to me I don't believe in psychics so when you've got someone really close to you who you you've cracked yourself open and you you know, think, well, I have to say this, I have to move forward with this because, you know, I'm just literally blocking myself if I don't start to, you know, step into this space more fully. And then you've got someone saying they don't believe in that, which what you hear is I don't believe in you. Well, sorry, that's what I heard. I don't believe in you. And so from that point, there's a lot of healing that had happened just in that particular situation. 
now everything is better and good with that person now that you know we can have conversations around all sorts of different things but not all of it because it's as though there's these pieces that if I share them I'm still really worried about what will other people think and that's not with my clients and it's certainly not under the banner of the work I do or even the conversations I have through the podcast or with other people who you know I might be speaking with them about the work I do it's the people who are close to me. It's, you know, my partner and my child and my siblings and my parents and all of those people, sometimes they're still in my head where I think, oh, my gosh, I can't really share that thing because what will they think? And I know that for me has been and still I think will continue to be something that I'm always working on because I can see how I want my life to be um, and I can see that the gifts that come through me are helpful for a lot of people. It's just, it's kind of like a, I'm kind of picturing a dog at the door wanting to get out. It's kind of like there's always going to be someone there at you um, just judging. And I don't do that judging very well. And I certainly don't do it when other people place it upon me. So that's my big, what will other people think? <laughs> you know, a little piece of the pie. Um, I do know by, you know, going through my journey and, you know, getting healing from other practitioners or putting myself in a space where I can learn a skill or improve the skills that I already have, it started to build a community around me of like-minded people who were able to support me and who I was able to have some of those conversations with and also have some healing with, you know, as and when needed just to help move me through. Because I think that there's always going to be work that we need to do to move, you know, just continually closer to our purpose and continually closer to inflow. So that's a big one for me. Any thoughts or Mine, mine is somewhat similar along that same, and it's, it's something I've been experiencing on a, I want to say almost daily basis recently. Um, it actually comes back to homes and because we've been looking to buy a new house and we've been looking for one to accommodate my mom and, and my mom's very anxious about it happening sooner than later. You know, she's, I don't want to wait another year, six months. Um, and so we've been looking and I have certain feelings when I go into particular houses and those aren't, um, things can look perfectly fine to everybody else who's there. And I'm like, I can't move there. I can't live there. And so my husband, he's very supportive at the same, he doesn't see the same thing or feel the same things, but he's still very supportive. But there's also the realtor who's like, you're letting this amazing deal go. And I'm like, no, I can't like, I can't, but I find that I can't ex fully explain why this particular house doesn't work. Like how it is mirroring something that I've already healed. And I'm like, I don't want to go back into that space when I have worked on healing this situation and here this home is presenting that situation again. You know, so when, when I look at our homes mirroring our lives and I'm like, wow, I literally just healed that part of my life. And then here comes this house. And I feel like the universe is saying, are you sure that's all healed? 
And, and so I was like, no. And we walked away. One particular one that I'm thinking about, we walked away from this house and there's still moments where I'm like, is that a good decision? Because nothing else is coming right now. You know, so I have to continue to trust my inner knowing that the right home is going to show up, even though it seemed like it was there to everybody else. You know, it checked all the boxes except for the one, the one big one, right? That it was my knowing, it was, it was, it was the feng shui piece of it. It was a space clearing piece of it. It was, but it was this, the more the spiritual side. And, you know, my husband was like, can't you fix it? Can't you do something about that? And I'm like, not this one, like not this particular instance. So um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to stand up around people who don't look at things the same way that we do. But it sounds like your family is trusting, like they're, they're, they're trusting that in you to have that you've had the not so good feelings, but then they, they know that when you, when it feels good, it's all systems go. Is that right. accurate? Yeah. Or? My, my husband certainly is, but you know, he may be the only one like this particular house actually had an easement. So what happened is that the, the short part of the story is that the neighbor um, has control over part of the yard for 15 years. So it's your property, but he controls the landscaping piece. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, that's yeah. not like, I don't want to be connected to this, this person um, energetically like that. And so everybody else is like, oh, what's the big deal? Because it doesn't even look like it's part of your property. You know, it looks like it's his anyhow, he's gonna maintain it. So it was a lot of this, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? But I knew when the energetic side of it, it was a huge big deal. And it fed into a story, you know, again, the story that I had healed. And I was like, no, this is my opportunity to stand up again and say, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting connected to somebody like that. So yeah, it's, it's hard, it's hard choices when the house was in the perfect location and it was the right price and all these other things. But but for me, I'm like that, that energetically would have just been down a rabbit hole. But you are also telling the universe and your family that you're setting a boundary that there, there are things that are non-negotiable and that if we settle for less, then we can't be open for more. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think that's always, we we've talked so many times about this it's you know letting go so more can come in but it's always in that letting go you know it's in that that space between the letting go and the receiving that you're like oh do I make the right choice you're right it's the pause moment <laughs> and that's where the trust comes in right that's where we have to be so grounded in our practice and yeah. and sanctuary and and to get through the pause to gracefully flow through the pause so that we don't let go in the abyss and go back to not, not trusting. So I would ask the same question of you, Helen, with your story. Do you feel that by, I don't want to say that you're withholding information from certain people, but you are just making a conscious decision to 
share certain information and not other information. You don't feel that you're devaluing what you do by making that, by creating that boundary, are you? No, I, I don't, but it's a really good question, Sherry. And I think it comes down to this concept of integrity. So I feel that I'm standing in my own integrity and because of the work that I do and in you ladies as well that you do, when people are in my space, and I don't mean my physical space, but you know, I might meet them down at the shops or interact with them in some way or another, I'm very well aware instantly of where they are on the spiritual energetic scale. So, for example, I might be with certain family, family members and I can have, or can have conversations or connect with them at a different energetic level to other family members. Obviously, my clients coming through the door are people who are willing and ready and open to have the conversations that we need to have energetically and spiritually to support them to move forward. But as long as I know in my heart that in whatever situation I'm in, I'm coming from a place of integrity, I don't feel like I'm masking or hiding or anything because I'm essentially meeting the person or the situation where they can meet me at. It's kind of like when you go on a first date, you don't tell your entire life story on a first date. Hopefully not. I think I did that. <laughs> I ended up marrying the guy, but I did do that. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good thing. At least he knew the full story and he didn't run. <laughs> I don't advise disclosure. Usually we wait a little bit before we then, you know, step down the path and we share extra pieces about us. I mean, the reality is if people in my life want to know all about me, go to my website, look at Facebook, look at Instagram, look at YouTube. It's all there. Um, you're going to get a pretty good energetic feel for where Helen's coming from. So I'm not um, I want to say I'm not going to take ownership for that other side of the equation because other people are, you know, responsible for themselves and what they, what, what level of integrity they're coming from as well. So, and I'm kind of going around in a bit of a circle, Sherry, to answer your question. I, I feel that I was, I want to say more fake when I was kind of half in and half out of that closet, a spiritual closet or half pretending to be me in my business. And my business has been an, ama an amazing healing mechanism for me because it's allowed me to go, who is Helen? How does she want to show up? Where is that integrity bar? It's pretty damn high, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, and I'm okay with that. I hope that that comes across in the way that I'm meaning it to come across, which is really from my heart. And it's a place of, your self-acceptance for myself and the other person or the situation so that we can, you know, meet at the same place. Because we've all met people who are, I don't know, talk too much or they have that kind of higher than thou 
you know, presence or vibe or energy about them, there's just this disconnect. And that's not what I want in any of my relationships. I will admit relationships have fallen away. I will admit relationships have changed considerably. Um, I will admit I'm much more astute as to where I spend my time and who I spend my time with because I'm not interested in spending my time with people who are going to degrade me, degrade my friends who also might be in a spiritual field or degrade anyone, actually. Mm -hmm. Long answer, Sherry. No, but I think it just, um, I really felt strongly about both of you showing that that there's that trust, inherent trust in yourself or uh, your, your spiritual guides um, in that knowingness, even though, as you said, Darina, you can't quite explain or, you know, find the right words in order for, to make everybody else feel better about not buying this house or that house um, or the next one or whatever it is or and you are making that essentially making that same decision as to you're right just because they're your family or otherwise you don't have to be you know full disclosure um and so it's you're you're mindful or we're mindful of what other people think and adjust accordingly yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also think that as women in particular and as caring women in the work that we do in the world, it can be really easy for us to shoulder everything. And when I say everything, you know, we'll, go, well, well I'll take your pain away or I'll help you with this and or I'll do that because you're not in a place to. And we need to really acknowledge that everyone's here for their own journey and their own learning and their own experiences. And we can, we can support that in whatever way feels right, but that doesn't mean we should do it all. And I think when we come back to this concept of, you know, what will other people think, we, we do through our behaviour what we think other people think we should do. And we actually don't really know that piece of the puzzle. We're just kind of assuming we know it. Or bracing for the possibility, I guess. And so that, uh, my, the biggest decision, one of the biggest decisions that I made was to move myself and my, my girls who were then nine and 11 um, to leave Canada and move to Germany to live and be with a man that my family had never met, which sounds dodgy, but it really wasn't. Um, and I had absolutely no qualms about this being the right decision. I knew it was right. There was no, nobody even, I don't think attempted to talk me out of it <laughs> because they knew that that probably was futile. And the, one of my, um, at that time, my, my husband ha had died uh, pre a year previous. And so I was given a lot of advice during that, that year from well-intentioned people, one of which don't make any major decisions until after one year of the anniversary. So technically, uh, we left the country 25 days pre-anniversary. So I thought, well, that's pretty close. They'll, that'll, they'll, that'll make them feel okay. But even if it didn't make them feel okay, 
it didn't matter because I knew what I was doing was the most perfect decision for, for me and the girls. And for the other people who, maybe not in their words as much as in their demeanor, their energy, the, the whole package, I just kept sending them love because I knew it must've sounded scary and I knew it must've sounded totally like, you know, crisis oriented, grief oriented, whatever it was. But I knew that, that this was it. This was, this is where we needed to go. This is how we were going to go. This is what it was going to be. And we're still doing it 11 years later. So I guess, uh, you know, it worked out. But That's so beautiful. Honoring the fact that people were scared for me, honoring the fact that people didn't want us to leave, honoring the fact and acknowledging that fact that this created a tremendous amount of discomfort and gossip and speculation and, 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 and I'm like, okay, yeah, we leave in a three days. <laughs> okay. I just let them do their thing and can someone take us to the airport? If not, that's okay too. <laughs> but, and I, and I say that with such joy in my heart because there was no hesitation. We're going. So there you go. It's so funny because I have um, the man I told my entire life story to on a blind first date, not just a first date, but a blind first date. Um, my mom said, you can't marry him until you've been dating for a year. And I wasn't as courageous as you, Sherry, and I waited that whole year, but I knew right away, you know, yeah. but I, I did fall into that oh, I'm going to be judged. And it's so funny because my kids recently said, my older two, um, they're like, you got married so fast. I'm like, it wasn't fast. It was a whole year, you know? But um, it's funny how they're coming back and judging it now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, but I knew, and, like and, you, like you just knew that it yeah. was the right thing, right? Yeah, there yeah. was, was a lock. You'd been hard for, like I said, people just didn't even bother to to try to you know not argue but to sort of debate the idea the concept or whatever dude my tickets are bought my bags are packed I'm good. Mm. I I think too I, I love what we're talking about here as well is this concept that there are people who want the best for us and they're coming from their place of understanding. So, Drina, with your house or the houses that you're currently looking at, and, you know, from their perspective, it looks amazing. And they think, well, we don't want Drina to miss out on this great house or this beautiful community or, or you know, whatever's going on with the property. And, Sherry, with yours, people are going, well, we love Sherry and her girls and we just want the best for them. We don't want them to fly to Germany and the if it all falls apart like we just want the best for them and you know the same for me as well people who want me to fall flat on my face and have a thousand people laugh at me and me have to crawl back into that closet right so there's always going to be people on both sides of the fence who are saying it from hopefully love and you know heart energy there's always going to be people who are thinking it from that head perspective but I also think that this doesn't necessarily impact us just on these big concepts or big levels so if we're talking about this idea of what will other people think 
sometimes it can be some of those things that impact us, you know, just on a daily basis. Like if I cook this meal, well, they think I've cooked this a thousand times. Well, it's just, you know, extend my repertoire and move into something else. So if we look at it on this practical, emotional and spiritual level, you know, some of the areas um, from a practical perspective, like maybe people are thinking, well, what about my job? What will people think if I move? jobs or if I apply for this new job or I decide to branch down this way or what if I decide to end this relationship and that doesn't necessarily need to be a close relationship but um, like with a significant other it could be with a sibling it could be with your neighbor it could be with a girlfriend you know what if I decide like Jerry you know you moved countries but what if I decide just to move from this town to this town so there's always going to be things that on that practical level that are you know impacting us and with that loop of what will other people think. So I'd really like to talk about this concept of power. It's interesting. I looked up, I've got a vision board right behind this screen, which was from last year. And the word that jumped off it then was power. So you know, even when it comes to these little things in our day, like is it a good idea for me to wear this outfit or my hair this way? Because what will other people think? Uh, you know, whatever those little things are, what can we do, do you feel, to stand in our power? Like how can we get closer to standing in our power regardless of whether these decisions on the scale of, you know, one to a gazillion are easy or really difficult? Any thoughts you want to share around that? I think for me it's, you know, it's just sticking with my spiritual practice as a non-negotiable, you know, in the morning, whether it's a meditation, whether it's walking outside, whether it's hugging my tree, you know, whatever that that is um, in my spiritual practice to stay grounded in myself, because that's when the guidance comes, you know, that's when I'm clear and um, the knowing is there. And it's when I get when I get super distracted or I miss that, I don't do those times to connect you know, to spirit, then that's when I doubt myself. And that's when other people's influences sway me off track. So for me, it's, it's really, it's really staying in my spiritual practice and surrounding myself with people who affirm that, you know, those like-minded people. So that when I'm with the group of people who are saying, why would you pass that up? Everything was perfect. I have this other group of people who are like, oh yeah, why would you ever do that? You know, so it, that's those two hand in hand for me are what, what keep me in my power. Beautiful. I, I think um, to come back to the word courage and, you know, my tolerance for risk or my relationship with courage looks what it looks like for me and looks like it looks like for you and for you but when something is lined up and as Drina said feeling grounded or feeling connected I don't know that we necessarily are seeking out um, or trying to observe or, dis or discern if people are thinking other than good thoughts about what what we're doing or what we're thinking or what we're buying or what we're not buying or where we're moving or where we're not moving but i think if we sort of have that door still 
slightly open or ajar and because we haven't quite you know we're not we're not 100 percent in our decision or in the idea or the concept then i think that's when we start looking outside and noticing well and and maybe getting the feedback that um to 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 say what i heard darina say earlier today was energy goes where intention no yeah and how, yeah Energy goes where, where intention, intention flows. No, flows. intention goes where energy flows. Is that right? I knew I had to say this a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> intention and so, goes where energy flows. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I've said that a few hundred times myself too, but didn't not right there. So if we are not quite committed to what my hair looks like <laughs> or the outfit I'm wearing or any and and that seems so again i don't i don't want that to come across as superficial but if i'm questioning that and i'm not i'm not i don't have my own back on my decision from from the ground up then that's when if, if we start looking for the cracks in our our confidence or in our in our um, connectedness then we will see and we would we will hear more or assume more because that's that's the evidence it supports our you know uncertainty is that possible i've been doing the bobblehead have you ever like yes yes <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh the minute it's like your kids like remember when the kids were little and they asked you something and you had that little bit of doubt about like well should i let them do that or shouldn't i let them do that like they knew the minute there was a crack, they could feel it, they could see it. And then it was just like, <laughs> like, but when you were firm, that there's no, they went on their merry way, you know, and didn't push yeah. back. But I found that my kids have always pushed back, um, especially my youngest, when he sees a, a little opening, he's like, well, you didn't really need mm. that. You didn't really need that. No. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you're yeah. right. I did it. So we attract, we attract the the critics, the, the doubters, and because it, it yeah. lands in the doubt within us, it's that match. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's also the, so then we start telling ourselves a different story, right? All of a sudden, you know, our storyline goes from, this is what we're doing. This is how I'm feeling to, oh, you know, plot twist. Am I feeling that way? Am I certain about this? Really? question, question, question. So that's when you go back to the practices or the uh, the toolkit that you know helps to, you know, replenish those, those energetic or literal reserves in order to look at the, the situation or the idea or the whatever with fresh eyes. Mm, beautiful. I think for me, because I was jotting down all these things were coming to me as both of you were talking. I was like, oh, I've got to get all these down because these are really good. Thank you, Spirit, for sharing those. But I think one way to step back into our power is to start to drive our own bus. Because I think that we faff about, or we can faff about a lot in our lives, and we gift permission to other people to drive our bus and so by letting other people drive our bus we're just kind of going on the route that they decide to take us on 
Whereas we can still stand side by side with our partner or our children and, you know, go in the same direction. But I really want to be driving my bus. And I think that was a, a big shift for me when I, you know, was starting to step into my power. So what does Helen actually want, you know, and, and starting to take ownership of the direction my life was going in. I want to plant this word in here too, intuition. Now, I know a lot of people can get a little bit um, worked up about that because they go, how do I listen to my intuition? How do I follow it? All that kind of stuff. And I know that you ladies have probably got things to share around that as well. But for me, it's really as simple as, is this a hell yes or is this a hell no? And I think we all know when something's happening in our life, whatever it might be, small or big or anything in between, I think we all know if a thing is definitely a hell yes and if a thing is definitely a hell no. But it's when we start to either not listen to that or we're ignoring the signs, whether it's signs something's happening in our body or things externally to us, where we then just squash that and we go, well, you know, uh, it's kind of a no for me, but someone else is driving the bus, so I'll just keep, keep going down the route that they're, they're taking me down. So for me, I think a lot about, you know, what will other people think is taking power back. Sherry, as you said, sitting with this concept of courage and what it looks like for me and really just, I mean, those words, just taking ownership, just keep landing for me, Randy. I think it's important too, and I, I love your bus analogy. What I thought of was distracted driving, right? Maybe you're still driving the bus, but you're so busy watching, what, you know, what all the other cars are doing because you don't have the faith that they're going to stay in their lane. And so then that's, you know, when it gets a little bit swervy and out of control. But um, I think there there's something to be said too that I can be 100% behind a decision. And then as they start to move forward, if, if things can change, then all of a sudden what felt really right to begin with may not feel right as I start to progress. So I think we can get caught up in the fact that while we started this, we have to keep, we have to drive off, drive the bus off the cliff, even though we recognize that this is the wrong street that we are on. We need to turn, we need to turn around and go back and you know find a different way. That that's okay too. That's just part of it. Making a decision and being committed to it doesn't mean that you can't change the decision or direction or any of the other components in order to feel 100%. Home buying, you know, you may have little wiggle, less wiggle room in that process once the once the thing starts going. But is, would you guys agree with that? I think few things in life are are permanent you know we can always change right like even and I may I'm like I'm not a good change person <laughs> I will fully confess it's just not in my DNA to be comfortable with it so it's something that um but we always can I could move to a house that doesn't feel right and I can change that it might be a little more complicated the bigger decisions become more complicated but but I also think there's always a lesson in whatever you know, if, if we follow our intuition and we're guided and we might get there and say, oh, that's not what I expected, but I feel, I always feel like that's what we need at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a wrong decision. It was like, oh, 
I see this has taught me this and now I pivot over here. Beautiful. I love that you said the word change there, Darina, because, and had a bit of a laugh too, because I'm a Scorpio and Scorpios usually love this idea of, you know, change and all the rest of it, but they're not good at it. <laughs> There's like this, you know, I want to take you down the rabbit hole. I want to help you shift your life. I want to help you, you know, grow and, you know, all of that stuff. But I can tell you now for me to do it is actually really hard. So to get on the path and to make the decision for change, no matter how big or small, I mean, even things like years ago, I changed my diet and I decided I was going to go gluten-free. And that's not such a big deal perhaps, but then it became a bit of a deal because there's other family members who need food. <laughs> do they want to be gluten-free as well? Um, what recipes can I now adapt what recipes do I now need to bring into my repertoire? What's great for when I go out? There's certain places you can't go to because they just do not even know what gluten-free means, even, you know, today. So those decisions we make as we're either driving the bus or as Sherry so beautifully, I love that idea, Sherry, we're distracted, distracted drivers on our own bus. What are those things that are, you know, pulling us away? So I'm wondering if there's anything else you feel the need to share at the moment, as we start to just bring this conversation to an end at all. I think like we had said last week or even the previous or the last time or the previous time about being playful about it. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're just getting, you know, sort of into a rhythm as to, I don't know what it feels like to be 100%, like I'm going to commit to this cup of tea then that can be your template that you grow on to find different ways in order to feel committed to the whatever it is and get behind. So feel that alignment and that flow that this is regardless, other people are drinking coffee and I'm choosing to drink tea. Good, that everybody's happy. I um, feel like I'm doing the bobblehead again <laughs> with the play because I think sometimes we just don't, we're in a space in our life where we don't know what powerful means. We don't know what we like. We don't know what we want. We've been so turned off. I think, especially as women, we often turn off and we're so used to caretaking that we're like, I don't, I don't know. And I remember when I went through my divorce, um, prior to my husband, who I met after a year. <laughs> so it's my first husband. And I had no, I had been so um, accommodating and so turned on, like literally said, here you go, here's my power. And, and so when the proverbial shit hit the fan, I was like, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I want. And so it was a process of play. And it was a process of like, oh, do I like this color? Let me surround myself with this color. I'm like, hmm, no, let me try this one. And so every day was a, was was like clothes, right? We're, like we started the conversation with clothes. It was back to that, like where, let me try this on. No, that doesn't work. So let me try this on. And it was just giving myself permission to try things and to, just rem to remember, because I don't think we really forget, but to remember what um, what we like, what makes our heart sing. Mm. that's so beautiful I always say to whoever is happy enough to hear me say it when it comes to creating sanctuary we, we know there's these three areas home body and life don't start with life 
if you have a choice <laughs> to create sanctuary in your home, Life's always going to happen to us. There's always going to be things come left of center or decisions we need to make or illnesses or injuries or all of that stuff that's called life is always going to be there bubbling away. But if you want to feel some form of success or some form of power over what's really going on and start to step closer towards sanctuary and home body and life to always start in your home. Because what actually really happens, and I just think this is a really interesting thing to perhaps wind this conversation up with. In my experience, we look at those three areas, home, body, life, and then we look at the areas within those practical, emotional, and spiritual. Now, if I start to make changes in my home on a practical level, so I'm starting to shift things around or make spaces you know, better for me and how they function, I'm having um, changes in the emotional area in my home. So maybe I'm actually creating a space where I can exercise or a space I can meditate or having some other conversations that I need to be having. And maybe I'm shifting the spiritual in my home. So I'm actually connecting more with my home, what it wants, what we can do to support each other. What happens is that, that alone will create change within your body and within your life. There's a beautiful ripple effect. So it's always going to be, as we've both, as we've all shared, those things that are big decisions in our lives, big changes, um, big things we need to, you know, work on. But if you don't have to start there, please don't always start with creating sanctuary in your home. So let's bring this to a beautiful end point. I just want to say I really loved these three roundtables that we've had. And listen, we are having a final and fourth one, which will be out in a couple of weeks. So I really do hope that you join us there. We're going to be bringing all this together and much, much more. So, Jarena, can I just ask you please to share where the listener can find you? Sure, you can find my website is spacedoula.com. So space and then D-O-U-L-A.com. And I'm on Facebook, um, Space Doula, and same as Instagram, but it's space underscore doula on Instagram. Beautiful. Thank you. And Sherry? Website is sherrytrentini.com. And Facebook, Sherry Trentini Creating Space. And Instagram, Sherry Trentini. Fabulous. Thank you. I'll put those links in the show notes. So listen, you can just head straight on over and connect with both of these awesome, awesome women. But if you haven't already, I invite you to head over to the Helen Joy Butler website to grab the Sanctuary Starter Kit and join us in the Sanctuary in a Circle. But until next time, take care and much love.